Okay, so jumping in today is, is a really, really interesting uh, kind of sermon. You can call it a sermon. Uh, we've been speaking all about love and, and uh, what is love? How does it get formed in us? Uh, how do we become people who can receive the love of Jesus and then give it in turn to the world? And we've done a few sermon series up to this point, this large theme of Christian love, which we're weaving throughout the, ser- the sermon series the whole year. Um, and that we started off with looking at Jesus' teachings on love, then we did a series on relationships, and if you missed any of those, you can find those podcasted on the website. And as we head into Advent and Christmas season, we're going to talk specifically about how to receive the love of God, what it is to be recipients and to experience that love. And so that will be coming up starting in, in December. Um, but today, one of the things that we, we, we recognize about being followers of Jesus is that we can, the best way to access him, the most clear way to access him is through the scriptures. That's the, those are the people who knew him, who wrote the scriptures, or the New Testament especially, who knew him, who lived with him, walked with him, and wanted to tell us all about him, about how he somehow um, made their life complete uh, in a way that they had to tell the world. And uh, so we read, we read it in, in the Gospels and his first followers who talked about him. And we also experience Jesus in prayer. That's definitely a, a key aspect of it. Uh, and so um, twice a year, I have scheduled for us to give a, a reading of Scripture as the sermon. So I usually speak for about a half hour, 35 minutes. Sometimes it gets over 40 uh, today I'm going to just spend that same amount of time reading scripture to you. And if that's new to you or if that's unusual, uh, let me give, a, give you a few words of instruction about how to, how to go about this and why we do this. Uh, first of all, you have a little crash course here in the scriptures. You have the scriptures. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is really a collection of books. It's, it's, it's a library that we have. The Bible is not just one book. It's a, a bunch of books written from various people over various times with various different agendas uh, and interests about why they're writing. And so um, these were written in a time where not many people knew how to read. And so when we get into our Bibles and our scriptures, we know how to engage a certain muscle, which is uh, study and reading slowly. And we probably read two or three verses. And sometimes people get a lot of sort of energy behind them. And they're like, I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year or in like a week. And then they get through Genesis 1 through 3 and they're done. And part of that is because in, in a culture where we like to tweet and put things in little sound bites, it's very hard to think about listening for a half hour to something being read. But these documents, these books, these stories and letters were meant to be heard. Like, their original use was for people to listen to them being read in long stretches. So if you want to read the Gospel of Matthew, it takes about two hours. And the first Christians who first got Matthew, they only had one copy. Can you imagine them sitting around sitting for two hours at a time, hearing, and maybe they'd read it once or twice in a sitting. And this is the way that the word originally came, and this is the way they were meant to be heard. And so oftentimes we miss out the power of the scriptures because we're not hearing them as they were meant to be experienced. And so we're going to do a bit of that today. Uh, now I um, sometimes, like, like I, I read the Lord of the Rings to my daughters, uh, sort of long stretches, 
and they fall asleep, and I kind of go. If, you, if, you, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan or you know Lord of the Rings, it's kind of like entering a whole world. And so the author's not going to explain every place and every name to you. They're going to sort of assume that you're just going with them. And the thing that I hate most about doing this exercise is getting into half a paragraph into one of the girls go, oh, I have a question. What's that? Okay. And then I answer the question. Then we get in. What's another question? And then they, you know, and I'm like, we've, we've divided two types of experiences of the Lord of the Rings. And we have to set this out at the beginning. Is this going to be a question reading or an experience reading? And if it's a question reading where all the expectations are good, we're going to get through a little, little chunk. And you can ask as many questions as possible, kids. And I'm not going to yell at you. Um, <laughs> but if this is an experienced reading, there's going to be no questions. I just want, I, I keep telling my oldest especially, you just got to experience this. Like, go with what you hear. If you don't understand something, just let it wash over you and, and experience the story. And oftentimes we'll get a half hour in or an hour in, and I'll look over, and, I'll, and, and my, my daughter will be wrapped in attention. And I'll say, isn't this good? And she's like, yeah, keep going. Um, so there's that. Um, that's the kind of thing you'll experience today. As I read, uh, you may want to think, well, I don't understand that, or I have a question about that, or uh, I can't go on. I've, I'm, I'm sort of obsessing or dwelling upon something that doesn't make sense. Do your best to just let this wash over you and experience this. And I guarantee, I've, I've done this many times in my life, I guarantee there'll be something that hits you. Something that sticks with you in a very powerful way. And that's the presence of God working through his scriptures to speak to you. So uh, give yourselves to this. And uh, the invitation is to experience the, the ministry of God on your heart today. Um, the second thing is this. Uh, I, I sort of sometimes binge watch shows on Netflix. And Eve and I have different tastes of things we like to watch and and I'm in the middle of a, of, of a series in season two of five of a storyline. And last night, uh, I usually watch it in, on, you know, in the bedroom and she's out watching something on the couch. And on those nights, we're sort of doing her different things. Um, but last night, I was out and I was in like the middle of season two of this show. And I didn't have earplugs in. And she was overhearing like the middle of a storyline. And I'm like right with it. But she's going, oh, that's like a weird show. Why are they saying that? What's happening? And part of scripture is realizing when I do this, when I read this, it's like we're jumping in mid-season in, in a show. And so there are going to be characters and stories and things being spoken that you're kind of, you're going to go, wow, that's really weird. Because we are basically jumping into the middle of the story here. Um, so anyway, just a few uh, pieces of, of advice. Let it wash over you. Let, uh, let yourself um, maybe kind of engage a kind of listening that is is maybe a bit difficult for us, and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. I think that's all I wanted to say. So we've been in, in Philippians in the last little bit here as a, as a community, and there are kind of hot spots in the writings of the Apostle Paul, who, who lived after Jesus and was one of the first people to create early Christian churches, the first Christian churches, and there are a few hot spots of his teaching on love. One is 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love hopes all things, endures all things. You, you, may, you may know that one. That's a hot spot. The other hot spots are all of Philippians, and we've kind of been in that, and the end of Romans. So I'm going to read Romans 12 through 16, which is the end of Romans and all of Philippians today. And it should take about a half hour. 
Um, and so here we go. Hunker down, and if you have any questions, keep them to yourself. <laughs> no. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep up your spiritual fervor, seeking and serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are too superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. 
Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, are summed up as this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Accept those whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat everything. Another person whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted that person. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master they will stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some consider one day more sacred than another, others consider every day alike. Everyone should be fully convinced in their own mind those who regard one day as special do so to the Lord. Those who eat meat do so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And those who abstain do so to the Lord and give thanks to God. For we do not live to ourselves alone, and we do not die to ourselves alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat your brother or sister with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So then, we will all give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, 
you're no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother or sister for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Therefore, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourselves and God. Blessed are those who do not condemn themselves by what they approve. But those who have doubts are condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. So we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We should all please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other of that, Christ, that of Christ Jesus, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. And again in Isaiah, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will have hope. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you know yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming his gospel so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. 
This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, Romans, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there, for Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to, to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, then they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from unbelievers in Judea and that by the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and together with you to be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. And then there's one more chapter, chapter 16, which basically lists all the people that Paul is going, wants to greet in Rome. Uh, there's lots of names that I probably will mess up, so I'm going to skip over it. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, and I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Cortus send you their greetings. Now, to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel... The message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery of hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to faith and obedience. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. If you notice, that wasn't a sentence. Paul didn't really write a, here, that was a run-on sentence to end the letter of Romans. Um, Okay, so that's Paul's end, ending to, to Romans right on time here to be able to read Philippians uh, to another church that he had established. So Romans was written way late in his career. That was near the end. Philippians is kind of in the middle. So we're kind of rewinding in time a bit. So here's Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ— what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, as citizens of heaven, live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, by having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad, and I rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show you genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him soon as I see how things are going with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was sick. Indeed, he was sick and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me too, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. If others think they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ Jesus. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. 
I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already gotten there or have obtained any of this or have already received my goal or arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a similar view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship, it's in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and Sintiki to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have content, contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be having plenty. I have learned the secret, in any, in any sense, of being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength." Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, but what I desire 
is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All the Lord's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. All right, well done. Good job, guys. It's not easy. So uh, I invite you now, whatever it is that is impressed upon your heart from the reading of the word, um, to think about it. Trust your intuitions uh, to know that God is here and speaking to you. And as we come forward, every week we take a piece of bread and dip it into the juice as a symbol, as a reminder that Jesus broke his body on our behalf and shed his blood for our sake so that we might live and have freedom in life. And so uh, the table here is set and everyone is welcome. <laughs>